Last time on Hot Takes Wednesday. Look, I'll put it this way for one account. If Norris gets on the podium at Silverstone in that chrome car, I will publicly declare on this show that I was wrong. I will <laughs> hold my hands up. <laughs> in fact, I will go one step further than that. If Norris gets on the podium, you have my full consent to DM me and I will buy you a McLaren t-shirt of your choice. <gasps> what an offer. Okay, we have to make this happen now. Whoops. Roll the titles. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. It's time for me to pay the piper. Welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And it's time for another HTW, the show with your spicy takes and our even spicier opinions. Now, go easy on my colleague. She's a little bit on the ill side, bless her. But welcome back, Charlie. How are you doing? How was Silverstone? It was amazing. Sorry, you've got to deal with this croaky, like, <laughs> I don't even know what it is anymore, voice. Um, I... I got laryngitis from screaming so much for McLaren <laughs> and Lando Norris at the Silverstone, like the British Grand Prix. So um, I'm okay, just a bit under the weather, but it was all worth it. It was all worth it. You weren't thinking about that when Lando took the lead off the whole <laughs> shot of the British Grand Prix. I have never heard a crowd roar like that before <laughs> in the 20 years I've been watching F1. That was incredible drama. Thank you for coming on, despite the fact you're far from 100%. Uh, I will try <laughs> to carry you through the next 45 minutes or so um, over here on HTW. And, well, there's a, there's a couple of things that I need to address. First of all, you probably heard in the intro that... Uh, I may or may not have made a very bold hot take of my own. Um, now, a lot of people DM'd me on Instagram in the aftermath of that episode going out, especially after Sunday for um, obvious reasons. <clears throat> uh, Lando Norris uh, finishing second at the British Grand Prix and getting the exact podium that I thought he wouldn't get. Whoops. Um, so about 50 of you DM'd me. Um, over the course of the last week, either teasing me about that about that prediction in the episode or asking Dre, where's my free T-shirt? Now, as I put in the intro, I very specifically said to the person that sent in the take that I would send in a shirt if Norris got on the podium. But maybe you took me out of context. Maybe it was misconstrued a little bit. I get it. It's a podcast. Sometimes you're doing something else. So here's what I'm going to do. In an act of goodwill, we will have a competition on next week's show where I will give a Lando Norris t-shirt away to a lucky listener of this very podcast. Is that fair? I think that's pretty fair. I'm a man of my word, and I, I, I believe, you know, bets should be paid. So that's what I'm going to do as a compromise. Um, I just want to say oh, as a side note, genuinely thank you all so much for, for for all the dms and genuinely i didn't get a single bad faith message from anybody involved everybody was either joking about it in a funny way or just you know saying you watch the show and you love it or that you praise it 
sincerely thank you it really really does mean a lot i do not mind if you if you message me on instagram about this um it was actually really refreshing to know that there's a lot of people out there that care about the show even if it comes at my expense just a little bit figuratively and metaphorically um so um <laughs> sincerely thank you it does really mean a lot and i i have i'm a firm believer in paying it forward so next week's episode We'll sort that out. I'm going to run it by some of our bosses at WTF1, get some T's and C's, make it a bit more official. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. So stay tuned. So for next week's show, that's what we're going to do. Also, before we get into the takes, a bit of breaking news dropped yesterday, which I'm sure you're aware of by now, that uh, Nick DeFreeze is no longer an Alpha Tauri driver, uh, effective immediately. Um, he was sacked yesterday and, um, at time of recording yesterday, he was sacked and, um, replacing him. He's back. The honey badger, Daniel Ricardo is back in F1 in an Alpha Tari to see out the rest of the season. And, um, our resident Nick DeFreeze correspondent across the room for me on this zoom call um, I don't think was happy about it. I was, it was either that or the illness or maybe both. I don't know. But um... <laughs> well, yeah, it definitely wasn't a very welcome first day back at work after six days off. That's for sure. But no. never mind. <laughs> I, I, I've had better days at work than that one because <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I was I was at the Williams golf launch as well. I was fortunate enough to be at that, and then that news dropped. And thank God I brought my MacBook with me; otherwise, we all would have had no news for the evening. Um, that that would have been a uh, a tough time. But I mean, we got to talk about it, obviously, Charlie. And 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 I know you were keen to talk about it as well, given that you are a big Nick DeFreeze fan, and we've talked about him on the show before as well. I mean, how do you feel about the whole thing? I mean, firstly, let me clarify that. I am absolutely thrilled to see Daniel Ricciardo back on the grid. And I don't doubt that he'll push that car to the absolute limits. Probably yes, more than Nick could. But I just can't help but think that there are other motives behind this move. The whole thing stinks and I don't like it. I don't like Red Bull's hiring and firing process. I just, uh, it just doesn't sit well with me. And I know people will say that I'm a little bit biased because I do like Nick and I have done everything I can to defend him (laughs) over these last 10 races. Um, but I genuinely like, I like, and I, I don't say this to be like, I don't know, like edgy, but I genuinely don't think he was that bad. Like, And nowhere near as bad as I think he was made out to be. Uh, we've discussed this a lot over the past few weeks, but rookies do need time to settle in. I think we've discussed at least a year and they've given him 10 races. He's a good driver. He's proven that in other series. Why AlphaTauri couldn't just give Nick the entire season to adjust and develop, I will never know. Especially when that car is horrific. It's horrific. But I do have a theory. And that theory is Daniel Ricciardo, obviously. He's definitely there to warm up and get back into the swing of things before replacing Sergio Perez next season. I will eat my shoe if that doesn't happen. Or at the very least, he's there to scare Checo into providing the results that Red Bull wants to see. There is no way that Nick's performance alone 
has judged has has nudged this decision and i'm not taking any of this like ricardo would have qualified on the front row from his lap times at the tire test bullshit because he was on completely different tires in completely different conditions like how can you take that seriously Ricardo said that he, he, if he was going to come back to F1, he'd want to do it at a top team. And I'm convinced he's been promised something else than that Alpha Tauri. Otherwise, why come back? Why did he not just take the Haas seat? Like, I, I honestly, like, I don't, I don't see this. If if it doesn't happen and he's stuck at Alpha Tauri, it could ruin his career. It really could. You finished? <laughs> yeah, that was a big that was a big rant. I've been wanting to get that off my chest. You know? do, do, do you feel a bit, at least a little bit better in yourself now you've got that I off your chest? That, that I do. That has taken all the voice that I have left to get that out. <laughs> it's going to be a long 40 minutes. Um, no. I've swung back and forth on Nick DeFries a little bit uh, over the course of you know the, the season uh, that, that's gone on. I don't see any reason why Nick couldn't have seen out the whole year. However, if you're that uncertain about him, there's no reason to wait. You might as well cut him now. And look, I don't think any driver should be truly evaluated after 10 Grand Prix. I think that's a very, very small sample size relative to most drivers' careers. He's been bad. I don't, I don't think even the, the most hardcore Nick DeFries fan, Charlie, would ever <laughs> would would ever admit it's been good for Nick because it hasn't. However, like we've had worse rookies come into this sport in recent times. I I agree with you, Charlie, that AlphaTauri is a terrible team at the moment. They are they this is a team that was aiming for top 5 status this year and they are currently bottom of the constructors championship. Um, with the best power unit in the field, I may add as well. So that must say a lot about their chassis and the rest of their car. If they've got the best power unit out there right now, and they're still stone dead last. Um, and but but my theory, and it's a little bit different from yours, Charlie, is that Red Bull has nothing to play for. Like both titles, I would say, are probably just about wrapped up in regards to Red Bull in general, drivers and constructors. Um, I don't think anyone's going to close down Red Bull by the time this year is over. I think they're thinking about the future and them using all of their resources to figure out who their second best driver is. And they have nothing to lose in getting rid of Nick DeFries now and putting Ricardo in for half a year and seeing how Ricardo adapts. Because it will also be a good test for Yuki Sonoda. And I, look, I've praised Sonoda on this show pretty much since I joined. Sonoda's driven very well this season. Um, but now this is the yardstick. Because if you thought the freeze was bad enough or he couldn't justify his job after 10 races, is that a bad reflection on Sonoda? Because now you've got an experienced veteran teammate alongside him in Ricardo, And if Sonoda beats him too, that's probably only going to raise his stock and again, I like and to to twink to twin it back with what Charlie was saying, maybe put some inadvertent pressure on Sergio Perez, who has been struggling for a good few weekends now. Um, they've got the resources and they've got two teams, and they're the only team that can really, you know, pull this off. Um, I think a part of the 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 bigger reason um as well is that Daniel Ricardo is a big commercial star. 
Um, Alpha Tauri isn't going to be called that next year. Um, they are going to rebrand that entire team. Yeah, it Ric- might as well be called the, the Ricardo Show. That's what it's going to be called, I think. Well, Ricardo's <laughs> box office. I mean, look, I, I'm not a fan of of the pomp and pageantry of, of of Ricardo at times, but he is hugely popular. He was one of the big winners of the Drive to Survive boom. Was that a lot of people fell in love with the Honey Badger, you know, and he's going to be a marketer's wet dream. You saw that Red Bull car launch, Charlie. Like, how how often do you see a third driver in an F1 team get a good eight, ten minute interview? Never. Well, I mean, Mercedes had Mick on, on stage with them this year. Yeah, but they weren't giving him, like, half a dozen questions to sit through and answer. Like... Like, Ricardo got front row status just as much as Verstappen and Perez did during that car launch. Like, they know Ricardo is is money. Like, I think that's part of the reason why they launched their car in America. Like, oh, because, yeah. you know, br- bring over a fleet of athletes, announce the Ford partnership, bring Daniel along because people will watch for Daniel and crack on. So I think there's a lot of different little reasons that have added up here. Um... I've said it before. I think Alpha Tauri and the Red Bull family treat their drivers like cattle. And I think that's, and to yeah. be fair, that, that's not just a, a Red Bull problem. That's a driver academy across the board problem. Um, but I, I feel sorry for Nick. I do genuinely feel sorry. Like, like Nick, you're absolutely right. Nick has proven himself in other series. I think cutting him now was just as silly as hiring him in the first place. Like, I, I, I if this is how you truly felt about Nick so, so quickly, why did you hire him in the first place? It, yeah. It, it felt to me like it was a break glass in case of emergency signing when you couldn't get the FIA to bend the rules to get Colton Herter in. That's what it felt like to me. Um, and yeah, I think Helmut Marco taking swings and misses every two seconds is not helping anybody either. Um, I feel bad for Liam Lawson. I hope Lawson still gets an opportunity somehow or some way next year. He's a very versatile, very adaptable talent who I think has done enough to be worthy of a seat. But if Ricardo is good on the way back in, he could be in trouble for that too. So it feels like this is the end of Red Bull treating their second team like a junior team and more like a sister team. So that that's my overall scope on this. I mean, that's that's how I feel about it. But uh, I mean, I, 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 me wrong. I'm happy that Ricardo's back. He's 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 a big star. He's a great driver, and I, I I would like to see the Renault or Red Bull version of him come back because he's box office in 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 that in that sort of form. Um, he's a genuinely entertaining character and driver on and off the track, but. Man, Red Bull is a mess. At how they organize and how they get down, and and it's a mess of their own making. Does that, does that about sum it up? <laughs> that does, yeah, yeah. Good. Um, but yeah, again, let us know what you let me let me know your thoughts on the situation. You can you know, you can tag me on Instagram, Dre WTF one if you like, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as ever. 
So now we've got the Nick the Freeze out of the way. Let's, should we do some hot takes? Um, let's do it. Let's do it. So again, for those who don't know, because as I always say, every podcast is somebody's first. And somebody actually DM'd me that last week, which I thought was really cute. Um, so every podcast is somebody's first. On this show, you, the fine WTF on audience, send in your hot takes. It could be to do with anything to do with F1, and maybe sometimes a little bit beyond that. We've had a, a few tweets that have dabbled in IndyCar and other things as well. So again, if you've got a, an F1 take, then send it in to uh, us on Twitter, or you can tag me on Instagram. Instagram, Dre WTF1. You can message me on there as well, which a bunch of you have done. So thanks for that. Or you can even email us as well. So I've had a couple of email takes as well. So thanks to everyone that's been uh, boomering up and uh, sending sending in your takes via email. I do love that. So when you send them in, me and my guest will uh, evaluate the take and then we will score them on a scale of one to five, one being that we strongly disagree and five being that we strongly agree. <laughs> Let's get into Hot Takes Wednesday. And the first take on the board is from Tyler Thinks This. Very literal username. I like that. Tyler <laughs> Thinks This on Twitter, who says, says, Nico Hulkenberg should be the second Red Bull driver. We leaning right into more Red Bull driver related talks. Talk, and this time we're talking <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg. How do you feel about that one, Charlie? Well, for what reason? <laughs> That's my, <laughs> that is my that's, that's right. No, I think Nico is great and God knows what he would do in a car like that. Um I would say he's definitely one of the greatest drivers to have been on the grid without, you know, any substantial results, any without a podium. He is the biggest nearly man. Wouldn't you agree? I'd say of all the guys that have never had a top end seat. In recent years, I would say, yeah, you're probably yeah. right. The Hulkenberg yeah. is. I mean, uh, other guys have flirted with, you know, like decent machine, like like Checo, for example. But even before he joined Red Bull, uh, what at a certain point, Racing Point was a genuine top three team. So, um, you know, they've he'd had multiple podiums before he even got to Red Bull. So, of all the guys that I think have has been a nearly man when it comes to flirting with top entities. I mean, there are multiple stories about Hulkenberg being yeah. consider, being considered for top machinery and it just not quite happening. I don't know if you know this one, Charlie, but Ross Broad admitted a couple of years ago that if he'd never got Lewis Hamilton in that fight with, with McLaren back in 2012, when he was up in the air about his future, his number two option was Nico Hulkenberg hmm. back when he was at Sauber. Um, and he was racking up top fives on what well, he wasn't yeah. even being paid um at the time when he was at Sauber. like I've, I've, i remember ferrari wanted him at one point there's a potential felipe massa replacement and i know red bull has thought about trying to bring him in a couple of times so hulkenberg is is like this very you know what he is he's a good pair of hands he, yeah i mean he, he's a, I, I think he's a hell of a driver I think, you know, his junior career proves that as well. His junior career was very impressive. His one lap pace alone this year has been incredible. Yeah, he has, I mean, I think, I don't know if this was for the WTF1 members board, I said this, but he's taken George Russell's Mr. Saturday crown <laughs> because he has, but it's, it, you know, it never transforms on a Sunday, but we'll ignore that. That's the Hass's fault. Um, yeah. But it's, <laughs> I don't see it happening either this take um and it so it's kind of one of those it's something that we'll never know because it's never going to happen but and I, I guess you could also make the argument that anyone in that red bull could also do well but then i think perez kind of contradicts that argument at the moment as well um so yeah i, I don't think 
I don't think he should be the second Red Bull driver because I think there are better drivers on this grid or even off the grid that could take that seat instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing to say that he couldn't really. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you how I feel about it. I think he's a very safe pair of hands. I think that he has never really done too much wrong in his career. I think he's a very solid all-round driver. Um, and I think he's been very good for Hassel season long, was unlucky at Britain that Sergio Perez, ironically, took his front wing out <laughs> uh, on the opening lap of the British Grand Prix, which is a startling irony given this take. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think Holgerberg's been very solid this year. And he... It, especially coming off three years out where he's only had a handful of standing appearances. Um, I think it was three or four in total with racing point. Now Aston Martin, um, he's a solid pair of hands. He always has been. And if Red Bull had a complete driver meltdown crisis, he probably could step in and do a job. I agree with you, Charlie, that he shouldn't be the first person on anyone's list. There are absolutely better drivers up the field that have proven themselves in better machinery. Um, but I, I, I'll tell you for free. I'm I'm, I'm going to say free on this take. I don't normally take the number three, but I think Hulkenberg could do a job if it was offered to him. But I don't think he necessarily should be the person to do it. So with that in mind, I'm going to say three. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I yeah, he I don't think it's going to happen, but given the machinery, I think he'd make something happen. Absolutely. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm giving uh, a 3-2. I think he'd certainly get the I think he'd certainly get that podium that's eluded, eluded him all these years at some point <laughs> or another. Um certainly. Um it's, it's it's remarkable he's never had a podium finish. He's had a couple of chances for it, but um again, the, the guys are the guys an immense talent. I mean, you don't fluke a Le Mans win either. Like and like is well, the guy's an immensely talented driver, no question. Breaking news, Manscaped now has beard products available in your country. That's right, they are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the new Beard Hedge Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard like never before. The Beard Hedger Cordless Trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. And that's not all. The Pro Kit also comes with four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care, including beard shampoo and conditioner, beard oil, and beard balm. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code WTF1 for 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code WTF1. Manscaped Beard Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Um, this is going to be a fun one for, for, for you, Charlie. It, it, I'll give you a hint. It's chrome and papaya related. Take number two reads from Josh Tranter on Instagram. Hope I pronounced that right, Josh. Um, he says, McLaren have the strongest driver period on the grid. Now, how much lyrical are you about to wax here, <laughs> Miss Williams? <clears throat> oh, 
it should, I could be just really biased here and be like, yes, we're the best in the world. But this is a this is a really tough one. My bias, McLaren self, would absolutely say yes. But I think there is a weak point in every strong driver pairing. I think Mercedes have a very, very strong driver pairing. Lewis is obviously a seven-time world champion. And I think George Russell has the potential to be a champion one day too, though I don't think he's quite there yet. So there's the little, like, chink in the chain. And then I think Ferrari have a very good lineup as well, but it's quite hard to to take them both at face value at the moment because the car isn't doing them any favours. Um, and I think McLaren do have a brilliant drive, driver lineup. I'm guessing this take has probably come after Sunday. Um, Almost because, certainly. Because I don't think people would have been saying this before Silverstone, though Oscar has... I mean, I think for one, he has been, um, he's been incredible. I was, I admit I was a bit skeptical, skeptical of him joining. I loved him in F2. I loved him in F3, but having a year out can sometimes be a bit of a killer for a driver, but Oscar really has done an incredible job at keeping with Lando, keeping him on his toes, getting results, being consistent. And I mean, Silverstone's performance was just wow. Like that was really mm. impressive. And he didn't even have the full upgrades either. He didn't have the same, um, the exact same as Lando. So that's even more impressive because I wonder what he could have done if, I mean, he pro- probably nothing because McLaren would have stopped him. But <laughs> that aside, <laughs> take that out of the equation. Yeah, McLaren gave him the team uh, orders early doors. was like, no, no, you're following behind Lando. We are not doing this. Uh- <laughs> which I think, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I think, and I think that's okay. And this is completely irrelevant really to what we're talking about. But I think that's okay. Me and um, my partner were talking about this. You know, Lando has paid his dues, I think, over the past years at McLaren. He... <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm gonna upset some Ricardo fans here, but he gave up a win in Monza, possibly, because I think he could have attacked Ricardo had McLaren let him. Um mm. so you know, I think I think he's had his time and now it's time for him to be the number one driver. I don't like that terminology, but you know, and let Piastri follow him a little bit. Um but irrelevant <laughs> so i i don't think they have the strongest but they have one of the strongest does that make sense yeah it does it does um i've got them third i think mercedes and ferrari have better partnerships than, than they do See, for me i'm like mercedes and then like ferrari and mclaren are kind of equal drawn almost because i think oh, <laughs> i'm gonna upset a lot of people i think in this in this episode i think lando is a better driver than charles i wouldn't go that far <laughs> i i i really would um, i like lando i'm not sure i like him that much but i think that carlos is stronger than piastri at the moment Yes, that's probably fair. Look, so <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you how I evaluate it. Like, I think Mercedes have the best driver pairing in F1. I think Hamilton and Russell have, they, they've not got any real chemistry issues. Hamilton is still one of the top two or three drivers on the entire grid. In the eyes of many, he's still number one, despite not being in the most competitive of cars at the moment. And George Russell is about 95% of what Hamilton has been 
since joining Mercedes. I think they are very evenly matched and I think they are very similar drivers um, in terms of just outright pace and outright ability. I think it's tit for tat um, weekend to weekend about, you know, who's on top, who, who can muscle ahead. Russell's not been quite as good this year as he was last year, in my opinion, not quite as consistent, but I still don't think he's having a bad year by any stretch. Um, I think Mercedes is the best team in F1 in terms of driver pairings. I think Ferrari, I think, is a little bit better than McLaren right now. Charles Leclerc, I've always spoken very highly about. I think he's a top three driver in the field. I think Leclerc is outstanding. I think he's the best qualifier in Formula One over a single lap as well. Um, I think a lot of his drawbacks have been of Ferrari's making more than his own personally. And Carlos Sainz was a driver who was roughly on Lando Norris's level before joining Ferrari in the first place. Um, yes, he was a little bit older. Yes, he was a little bit more experienced. And yes, I think Lando's probably improved a bit since they were teammates. But I think Sainz is roughly on that sort of Norris level. Piastri is the, is, is the, is the outlier here. I'll say this. I agree with you, Charlie, that Piastri has been exceptional for a rookie so far this year. And he was robbed of a podium in this race. He was very unlucky, just the way the safety car drops sometimes. Um, like It's a good sign, in my opinion, that Piastri was upset that he finished in fourth because he, he, he was podium good the whole way through. He was good enough to stay with Norris pretty much the whole way through. And for a guy to do that on his 10th ever Grand Prix is very, very impressive. Um, he's the real deal. No question in my mind mm -hmm. about that. Um, what I would say is, is that while I don't think McLaren have the best driver pairing, I would say it's probably the one with the most amount of upside. Like, potential because Norris is still only a what 23 himself and Piastri's yeah. 22 like they're still incredibly young they like if McLaren play their cards right they could have them for 15 years easily in in F1 if they, if they want to stick around stick stick around for the long term um for potential upside and if I wanted to build an F1 team right now Norris and Piastri would be in the top five or six of drivers I would pick to build a team around right now given that they are immensely talented, very marketable, and very young. You know, that that's what you want for value in a driver right now. So while I, like, while I ultimately disagree with the take, it's not by a huge margin. Mm. And I think the potential and the upside that comes with it, I can see why you'd make that take and make that statement because I don't think it's massively <laughs> egregious. So for me, with that in mind, I'm also going to say three again. I've never given two threes in the same podcast, I don't think. But I think you can make an argument for McLaren given the assets that they have as drivers and and their youth being a big advantage in the context of a team. So I'm going to say three on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go three as well. This is really bad. We just look like fencers today. But they are, they are intriguing takes. <laughs> they, they are takes that have made us think. So that's that's a good thing. I'm I'm all for that. Um. So yeah, thanks for that, Josh. Um. Next up from uh from uh, Amar. Uh, Amar, I think it's I think it's pronounced. Forgive me if I got that wrong. Um. Amar Isra, who says on Instagram that Alex Albon will never be in a Red Bull car again and drive for Mercedes when Hamilton retires. Alex Albon will never be in a Red Bull car again and drive for Mercedes when Hamilton retires. Now, 
again, I think that a lot of this is British Grand Prix, you know, leaning into the strength of his performances. I mean, Albon's been very, very good lately. He was, you know, seventh in, in Canada, eighth again in Britain. Like, it looks like he's cooking something with that Williams at the moment. And it's it's like the last three races have been an epiphany to where everyone's been like, wait, Alex Albon's actually good at race cars now. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. Um, how do you feel about it, Charlie? I mean, Alex is a, I think Alex is a brilliant driver. I, I really do think he's, you know, he is a top talent. But I mean, this is kind of like two takes, isn't it? Really? Two takes in one. I mean, I agree. I don't think Alex will ever be in a Red Bull car again. He was let go from the Red Bull fam, however toxic it may be, um, at the beginning of <laughs> this year anyway. Not that that would stop them if they did want him back, um, but I don't think he would go back. Um, and no, he's not going into that Mercedes when Hamilton retires because Lando Norris is going into that Mercedes when Hamilton retires. End of. <laughs> now, now, how much of that was your opinion? How much of that was wanting it to happen? <laughs> I know, I, like genuinely, I, I just don't see... If if Lando does move, which you know, if the car could, the car could stay like it was in at Silverstone for you know ten years or maybe add a little bit more, I don't think he has any reason to move. But there was a point at the beginning of this year where speculation was that Lando had signed too long of a contract with McLaren yeah. and he was maybe starting to regret it. So I think if. If I really do, I I don't know what it is. I just have this like this feeling that he has turned down Red Bull so many times. Everyone keeps dragging his name into like the Red Bull family, like he's gonna join there. Well, Dr. I, don't... I don't know if you saw it, but Doctor Marco was seen sitting with his agent during that same Austrian Grand yes, Prix weekend. But he's also an agent of like Zane Maloney and other drivers as well. So I'm not taking that. That is just no one's the fire. out here. No one's out here for Zane Maloney right now. Now, okay, like Maloney's talented, but he ain't like that dude. Like, well, not, Mar- not F one, <sighs> not necessarily F one. But anyway, I'm yeah, I'm not. We're not fueling that fire because I think that's just just not true. He has just I don't know. He's turned it down. I think we discussed in our like work chat probably like double digit amount of times. I see at, at Red Bull. I don't yeah. think he would continue to turn that down. Like if he really didn't want to go there. I don't think he wants to drive alongside Max. I don't, I don't think, think anybody does. Well, yeah. Um, so I think the only the only ever chance you could see him at Red Bull is if Max goes. So he's, I don't know, he's going to replace one of the big greats, I think. Either at, I don't want it to be Red Bull. So this is like my, uh, my hope and my positivity. But I really, I just have this thing. Mercedes do like him. They do like him. Lewis loves him. And people might think like, oh, they have this like, you know, this horrible relationship that gets like blasted all over Twitter. But they do. They don't. And uh, like again, we were discussing this weekend. It almost feels like Lewis has him under his little wing and he's like the mentor <laughs> and the master. Like that is honestly how I see it at the moment. Sure. And um yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like, like, when did you ever hear, like, Lewis saying a really good word about George Russell? Like, it, like you know, like, the, the average, like, oh, yeah, he did a good t- good time today, George. Like, 
that but he praises Lando so much so I don't know I I just I just see him at Mercedes so sorry Alex no again <laughs> do you feel better now you've gotten this off your did you remember I said this this woman was ill at the start of this podcast you know it's like, it's like, it's like when you are heated you just go off don't you my gosh um yeah. <laughs> um I'll tell you how I feel about it and I'll try and keep it reasonably brief by comparison I think this is a little bit spur at the moment. It feels a little bit, you know, instant gratification. Very, I would say very hot takey, but that's the name of the show. So I guess that's the entire point. Um, Alex Albon has done an excellent job at Williams without question. I, I, I've said it before. I, I, I wrote the Perez video that you may see on the WT if I need you to know I mentioned this, that Albon has picked up where George Russell left off at Williams. He's he's gone to that team, he's put it on his back and on a good day they can get in the points. That's exactly what George Russell was doing when he was at Williams there as well. And it's the same span, it's the same era because four of the last five years Williams have finished bottom of the Constructors' Championship. Um, Albon's been excellent. Like he is, he has proven that he belongs on this grid and he is at worst a solid midfielder. I think he has to do more to start convincing more and more people that he is more worthy of jumping someone like Lando Norris in the queue. Because if you're looking at, if you're a top team and you're looking at talent you want to bring in, right? Surely Lando Lando's number one on the list, right? Like in terms of what he's done at McLaren and how he's punched above his weight in that car for three or four years now, you would think Lando would be at the front of the queue. That's how I look at it. And I'm sorry, Albon's body of work, I know it's hard to, to replicate anywhere near that in a Williams compared to a McLaren, but I need to see more from Albon. It's a bit too soon for me to start thinking about him, you know, being in a Mercedes or being in a top-end team again. Um, like, I I agree with with with, uh, with, with Amar that... Um, I don't think he'll be driving for a Red Bull team ever again because if you're Red Bull, why would you take him back? Like you, that would be a, an admittance that you got it wrong in the first place in letting him go. Um, and you look like clowns if you if you are to let somebody go like that and then bring them back. Um, but then again, that would be a very Red Bull Driver Academy thing to do. Um, so you know, it wouldn't be the first time and it wouldn't be the last. But like. Albon wrote a whole ass piece for the Players' Tribune talking about how lopsided that Red Bull development is in favour of Max Verstappen. Like, I don't see what he gains in going back to that team and having to adapt his driving style all over again. I, I, I don't see the benefit of him doing that. Um, so, my 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 ultimate conclusion is is that. He won't drive a Red Bull car again, but he he needs an entire season plus like this before I'd even start considering him, him over Lando Norris for a big boy seat like 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 Mercedes when Hamilton hangs up the gloves whenever that chooses to be. So I'm gonna say two on this one. I I I think I think Norris is your target, and it's gonna take a lot for anyone to have a more appealing argument than him right now. I think I'm going to go with a one. Wow. Because I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't see him. 
I don't see him being in that Mercedes. And he's definitely not going to be in a Red Bull again. Because, like you said, Red Bull don't like to admit that they're wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, I I just, I, I don't know. I don't see either of those parts of that take happening, really. So... Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Like I, I said two because he has been so good in that Williams so far. That's the only he reason has. why I didn't go one. Yeah, I mean that that's the the rating is nothing on his driving in that Williams. He is huh? pulling everything that he can out of that car, and he's doing honestly, he's doing an incredible job. And I don't know what he made me laugh actually because I saw an interview. I think it was I think it was in Austria when um, they said like what's happened, and he was like. Honestly, I don't know. We need to go and figure out why the car is so fast. And he was like, usually you try and figure out why it's so slow, but it's the opposite here. And that just made me giggle because they have, something has just clicked in that Williams as well, because even Logan Sargent was pulling out like, Good lap times. Well, yes, yeah, Sod- 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 was eleventh. That was that yeah. was the best. That was the best finish of his career so far uh, at Silverstone. Yeah, I I think. Props to James Vowles. I think he has done an excellent job at Williams so far, and I think he's capitalising on the nature of this season where it is a bar fight in the development race right now between the top-end teams to a degree and the teams in the lower midfield that are fighting for maybe one or two points a weekend right now. And those big chunks that Williams are putting in with Albon 7th in Canada and again 8th here at the British Grand Prix, um, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. And that might be enough to, to, to get them an eighth or a seventh place, which would be huge for Williams. That would be tens of millions of pounds in terms of prize money. So yeah, it, like they're doing all the right things, which is a good sign indeed for Williams as a whole. So props to Vowles on that one. He's doing, a, he's doing good work over there. Right. Take number four comes from Ruben um, between Rye on Instagram, who says, Hi, Dre, when the similar take for Hot Takes Wednesday? Uh, and he says, um, The 2023 season is actually one of the most exciting seasons in the last decade due to the development race going on between Mercedes, McLaren, Aston, Ferrari, and now Williams. Love the show. Thanks, Ruben, for that. Um, so, is this season actually pretty exciting because of the development race in the middle? <laughs> I would say no, but I guess it, it. I think this is a very. This is. A, I know everything that we take. We did. We say is very opinionated, but this is a very subjective take. Yes, because I think. It, I think it depends on what kind of like F one watcher you are. I think what you find season, entertaining. Yeah, and I, I think this season especially has proven to me that I like a little bit of a fight, a little bit of a fight for pole or a win at least. And I would obviously love a championship fight. And that's the kind of F1 enjoyer, I guess I am. I can't explain like the excitement. And again, I know it's because I'm a McLaren fan. So it was kind of like extra, extra, extra excitement, but Mm. I can't explain the excitement during qualifying and the opening laps of the race at the British Grand Prix. Like everyone called me out on WTF1 rate my WTF1 race predictions but I was actually the only one to get the top 5 correct and I just wanted to believe that Lando could actually possibly take the win but I genuinely like like I said it but in my heart I knew he was it wasn't actually going to happen but when he took the lead of that race like I just honestly like my I I can't even explain how excited I was, how happy I was, but it's, it's those kind of like emotions. I think that I miss that kind of like 
not knowing exactly what's going to happen for a lead or a pole position or anything. And I just, yeah, I think it's getting more exciting in terms of like a development war, as mentioned. But yeah, for me, it's 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 not one of the most exciting seasons in the last decade, purely because of the type of competition that I think I require as an F1 fan. And that's okay. If you really enjoy sure. watching all the midfield battles, that's also okay. I mean, I enjoy them, but just not to, I mean, I ha- I've had to enjoy them over the past 10 races because it's all <laughs> I get excited about. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that this year has definitely proven to me that I need a bit more of a competitive nature at the front of the field to for it to be an entertaining F1 season. Um, you need a title fight for me at the front. That's that takes the priority, I think, over over everything else. I mean, twenty twenty one was a hugely captivating season, even before we got to the finale, because it was a title fight between the two best drivers in the world in two different cars. And a part of the joy of that title fight was the fact that every weekend you didn't quite know which car was going to come out on top there were both chunks of that season where Red Bull was stronger and there were chunks of that season when Mercedes was stronger that was about as good as F1 gets from a seasonal competitive standpoint before it all got ugly at the end um there is absolutely something to your take Ruben um I think the fight for second is fascinating genuinely I think that there is a degree of unpredictability where we go from weekend to weekend and we don't know which team's going to be second best. I mean, you look at this weekend, McLaren shocked everybody by putting their car second and fourth. Go back one round to Austria, it was Ferrari that were genuinely very strong on raw pace before the track limit penalties came into effect. But uh, Charles Leclerc had their had Ferrari's best result of the year um, in that race. You, you go back one further, you go to Canada. It was Aston Martin that beat Mercedes for second place on that one. So we've had different weekends throughout the course of the season where we've not known which of the teams in that upper midfield block are going to come out on top. We've even had an Alpine podium so far this season we've now had one from a mclaren as well and three mclarens in the top four in the last two race weekends who would have thought it the upgrades that they've had have seemed to be working wonders and hell we've had williams get involved on a genuine level i mean alex albon overtook ferraris at silverstone (laughs) the same car that you know around prior in austria was was on the podium you know so it's to that extent, there is something to it. And if you find that entertaining, that's completely fine. And that's absolutely understandable. There is, for me, that is saving this season from being an all-time stinker. Like, because I don't think the racing's been amazing across the course of the season, but I do like the unpredictable nature of that, let's say, third through maybe 12th sort of zone in F1 right now where we don't quite know that middle of the field running order. And that can be fascinating because there's outliers like Sergio Perez, obviously his his lack of form has played a role in that. Williams and Alex Albon have punched above their weight. Sometimes Haas have gotten involved, like with Hulkenberg, for example. And we've even had a couple of Alpha Tauri's at the point, like Sonoda's on a couple of the times. So 
it depends on how you get down and how you dig your F1. And there is no right or wrong answer with that because everybody's idea of entertainment is different. And that's great. Like I love, I, I find it great and fascinating that people get down in different ways in regards to how they consume their sport and how they consume their media. Um, so, but for me, I think you still need a title fight because that's what captivates the most amount of people. Like you don't remember who finishes in second most of the time no. so um i'm gonna say two for you on this one ruben i don't massively disagree with you and i i think it would be unfair to, to to give this a one because it's a very subjective take and everybody's idea of entertainment personally is different so but for me personally it's you need a title fight first but the midfield is genuinely interesting and that is cool so two for me mm. Yeah, I think I'm going to go to as well. It would be interesting to look back on this take at the end of the year, actually, because I think we will find that by the end of the season where Red Bull have stopped developing their car because they're, they're working on next year's, mm. yeah, everybody else will continue to develop to develop theirs. It might get a little bit closer towards the yeah. end of the season. So it will be quite interesting to look back on. But right now... I can't say that I'm exactly like enthralled by the the racing that we've seen so far. And that's just me and that's fine. So yeah, I'm going to go too as well. Absolutely fine. Final take of the episode comes from Ash on Twitter. Um, I remember your very, very nice Fred you said about us uh, a couple of months ago. So thanks for that, Ash. It hasn't been forgotten. Um, Ash says, Red Bull see that Max has the championship comfortably won. Perez having to charge through the pack is not an accident every week now, but a plan by Red Bull to see how to develop their next car to be able to cut through the pack as well as dominate at the front. Best if both. So in other words, there's a degree of intention from Red Bull to have Perez run through the midfield to work on a car. Little bit tinfoily, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but what, what, what do you make of this one, Charlie? I mean, we had a, a a fairly similar take a few weeks ago regarding Ferrari, didn't we? That they were like purposefully tanking, for tanking their season. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll say the same thing, I think, because even though Red Bull probably does have the, well, both championships comfortably won, there so. is a possibility that Perez could have P2 in the championship taken away hit by him, but from by him by the end of the season maybe and yeah. they seemed quite keen last year to try and get that for him max wasn't but red bull were um <laughs> so i don't know I, I the teams and drivers are there to win that, like, that is the that is the core of every motorsport race and sure. i just yeah I, I i don't see i don't see why they would do that really i mean it, it's quite clear that they're probably already developing their car so i don't do you really think they need the extra help either at the moment no. like they're um. kind of you know their, their car is is fast enough to um to probably probably be quite safe again next season um as much as that hurts me to say yeah. so um yeah i i just don't see it um i don't really see it either uh, i'm gonna say one first and foremost and the big reason why I, I why I'm I'm picking this as a one is because you can't really develop a car to do this, where it's like 
where you know where, oh if we, we want to make it better by being able to run through the midfield or run through the pack in a race you can't do that because wind tunnels can't simulate dirty air that's the big problem with that theory um look you're absolutely right ash in that you know rebels got both titles in the bag in my opinion i think that's absolutely right um I don't think they would use Checo as a guinea pig. I, I, I'm not no. to that, not to that degree. I don't think you can, by the theory that you're coming out with here regarding, you know, dirty air pace and dirty air passing and development like that. Um, you can't really do that. Um, and also, they would never intentionally have one of their own drivers be thrown under the bus like this on purpose. Because if they came out and said, oh, we're just going to have like Perez run through the field to work on our car development, they'd be laughed out of the building um, by the world's press and the world's media. They would be dunked on from a great height. Um, my response to that is that Sergio Perez, and this is my theory, Sergio Perez is a driver that can only operate in a very narrow window. Everything is going to plan for Checo. He can drive well enough to finish second or third most weekends without a fuss. Um, he's not Verstappen good, but I think he can run him close on a good day. Maybe even beat him on a street circuit because that's where Perez's driving style is a lot stronger. <laughs> um, if if you take him out of his comfort zone just a little bit, his pace craters. It drops like a stone, and that's the problem with Perez. Like and. If you've been paying attention, qualifying sessions have been very erratic all year mm. long. Austria's track limits, the rain in Silverstone, the rain in Canada, the rain in Spain. Like we've had a lot of freaky, weird qualifying sessions. And, th and it's taken a fair few people out. It's not like it would be harsh to say it's just Perez that has struggled in these conditions because it, it, he's consistently been a problem. But there's been other guys like George Russell who has struggled in qualifying mm -hmm. this year at times in changeable conditions. Charles Leclerc has failed to make a Q3. Carlos Sainz has failed to make a Q3 in, in dodgy and you know wet and changeable conditions. So it can mess up the best of drivers, you know, and, and, and Perez is a very good driver. There's no question about that, in my opinion. But I think it's a little bit unfair that Perez is under this much pressure. I think a part of that is the fact that Red Bull is so erratic as a team, the fact that they have been prepared to cull people early like they did yesterday, that's, I think that's fanned the flames of this kind of discussion. But I don't think this is the reason why. So I I have to say one, Ash, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But <laughs> I no, I can't get there on this one. Red Bull would never run a car through the midfield on purpose. There's too much at stake for them to ever consider doing that. Yeah, it's one as well. We've agreed on a lot of takes today. I think all but one of them, I think we had the same score. Yeah. Yeah. Very, in very interesting. That that okay. is very interesting. That's not like us. No, normally, we're, <laughs> no, normally we're strangling each other through the Zoom call by now. But um, we've we've been we've largely been on the same page. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Hot Takes Wednesday. As I said, 
Please stay tuned to next week's show where we'll be giving away a Lando Norris T-shirt. Looking forward to that indeed. Big thanks to Charlie as ever for joining us, even though she's not at 100% at all at the moment. Bless her. <laughs> um, so, yeah, send her a get well soon at Charlie WTF1 and be nice and tell her, oh, I, tell, tell her I sent you. Um, we'll be back <laughs> next week for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Oh, and if you're a big IndyCar fan, go check out the post-race podcast we did on Monday because we've got Alex Polo on there and he's cool as hell. So listen to that as well. But it's until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. She's been Charlie Williams, and we'll catch you next week for another edition of Fontaine's Wednesday. Sayonara. Bye.